Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Now, any savvy financial advisor would give you the same advice. They would tell you to diversify your portfolio. After all, 68% of Singaporeans are actively investing, with many of them looking for new and exciting alternative assets to get in on. From gold to classic cars, alternative assets indeed have skyrocketed in popularity recently. However, when it comes to fascinating alternatives with seriously untapped potential... Why not choose one that ages like a fine whiskey? Investing in whiskey requires a very high level of expertise, though, and knowledge, like the type of cask or cask if you are American, you want to buy its size and its preferred location for storage. All of these things matter. So while during this period when people say whiskey, the first thing I think about is drinking it, (laughs) we have to acknowledge it may just be a solid investment vehicle as well. Simon Aaron joins us. He's founder and managing director of Cask Trade. Hi, Simon. Hi, good evening. Barty, how are you? Uh, Doing well, Simon. Now, Simon, here's the thing, though. I always look at alternative investments, and I believe a lot of people do as well, with a lot of skepticism. Some experts say that the oft-repeated Knight Frank luxury investment index figure of a 582% gain for rare whiskey in the decade to 2019 really shouldn't be seen as evidence that casks are a good investment, or if you prefer casks, if you're British. That figure was down to 428 percent in the decade to this year but also the index actually relates to a very specific basket of a hundred rare bottles of whiskey doesn't it and they're in a different asset from new malt or even mature whiskey that's correct i started collecting bottles around 25 years ago i was not from a whiskey background but i was a complete whiskey geek for most of my adult life and i started collecting bottles way before that index was even started but you're quite right that index is specifically the rare and old bottles from a pretty small number of distilleries. So there's a massive distinction between that and casks. I'm going to have to say casks. Because yeah, <laughs> you're British. The Americans say casks. So. But here's the thing. This only means that whoever wants to get into the market really needs to know their stuff. They need to be very discerning about this. You can't just fall for all of these hyped up numbers, can you? No, when I started collecting, it was a very closed market. You had to know someone to buy a cask. You had to be either in Scotland or visiting different distilleries or visiting warehouses to get into the market. But I'd been buying and selling casks personally because I was in the IT business for you know the best part of 13 years now. I started the company five years ago. So I was that customer. I was the customer that was looking for an alternative investment. And not to steal my thunder, but you're absolutely right. You've got to do your research, especially if you are, let's say, based in Singapore, Mm. because it's a hell of a long way from uh, Scotland. And that's where all the casks have to sit by law until they're bottled. So cask or bottles, which ones should investors look at? (laughs) Both. But like my wife will tell you, bottles can be a real problem. I I don't know. I have thousands of them and uh, I fill too many cupboards. So I found as an investor that an alternative investment in casks was a lot easier, a lot more predictive and a less administrative. You know, if you have a thousand bottles collection, which many people in Singapore and all over Asia actually have, it's very difficult to administer it, put it in an auction, check the prices. It's, it's not particularly easy, but with a cask, 
you know, it's much easier. So you buy a portfolio of tasks and it's something that you can really manage as an alternative asset rather than, let's say, thousands of bottles. Okay, so what should I be looking out for in an investment-grade whiskey? So there are three questions that we get our customers to answer pretty much straight away. One is, what is your outcome, your preferred outcome? Are you looking to bottle it? Are you looking to invest in it? Are you looking to hand it down to perhaps your children or grandchildren? The second question is, how long? What's your horizon? So are you looking to hold this for three years, five years, ten years, or even longer, because whiskey, as some people know, goes mm. for a long time. And the third is, is, is what you want to invest, the amount of money that you want to invest. I always tell customers, take your time. It is like buying fine wine. It is like buying uh, perhaps antiques or a particular artist. You can't just spend all the money at once. It takes time. We never know just how much whiskey and from which distilleries we're getting at any point in time, although we have 300 casks on the list. So take your time. Always buy different casks from different ages, uh, years, I mean, from different distilleries, even different types of casks for different finishes. Asia is famous for loving a sherry-finished whiskey. Mm. Why is that, you think? I think because it's rich in color. It's got a beautiful sort of mahogany color. They're used to some big brands like Macallan and Balvenie and Dalmore. All of these are finished in sherry. Mm. And on the nose, it's very sweet and very agreeable almost immediately. Of course, there are people out there that love peaty whiskies or smoky whiskies, bourbon finish, and, and now there's, there's all sorts of fancy different types of casks you can get. Mm. But sherried whiskies have always been popular in Asia. And, you know, we've got some of the big brands to thank for that. Their brand marketing has been fantastic. The thing is, Simon, a lot of the investors I have spoken to say they don't really care about the taste. So you're obviously coming from a different vantage point here. There are people out there who buy whiskies simply because they like the way they taste. Yes. I mean, I've got customers. Uh, we're in our fifth year at Cast Trade, and I've got customers that can't stand the smell of the stuff. Mm. And I've got customers that live and live and breathe whiskey and travel with it and collect collect it. And they'll go to great lengths to, to get particular casks. But like any alternative investment, it's all about the exit. So you do at some point, if you want to make money out of it, or perhaps you want to make it in your lifetime. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying some people buy for their grandkids and their, their children. You always have to look at the exit. And there are far too many alternative asset whiskey companies out there that are willing to sell you the mm. casks without any kind of exit. And I come from a background of alternative investments. And for me, it's in the IT world, it's all about the exit. And so I built the company based on the exit. Ah, okay. And okay. that's really important. Maybe that... <laughs> I built it on the exit. You start the conversation with a discussion about the exit, I'm sure, a lot of the time. Absolutely. I mean, I'm in Singapore, I think in about eight, nine days time, and I'm meeting a lot of customers there that are independent bottlers. These are people that bottle beautiful whiskey from lots of distilleries all over Scotland, but with their own label. They have bars, restaurants, hotels, some of them retail into shops. That is the exit because all whiskey has to go one way. It all has to get into someone's hand and, and appreciated on someone's palate. Mm. So you really have to think about the exit. So for cast trade, um, anything that I sell to an investor, I will want to buy back or sell on to an independent bottler 
that can then put it into someone's hand. So here's the thing. If an investor wanted to get started, where should they start? How can they start? Because they have to look at rarity, collectability, in some cases, taste, collectible range. So what I've noticed is that a lot of them will go to a specialist and a lot of these specialists are actually fraudsters. It's a massive problem. And it's something that is so close to my heart because when I started the company, I was that investor that had bought from six, seven companies that were very, very unscrupulous in the way that they did their business. I managed to sort most of it out over a number of years, but it was not easy. And when I had to write my business plan, I wrote it very simply because it was all about what not to do. So as an investor, a whiskey geek, not involved in the whiskey industry. It was very simple for me. I don't differentiate between wholesale and retail prices. I never tell anybody to to spend all their money at, at one time. I always tell people, please make sure that you're buying a variety of whiskey from lots of distilleries from different years. Think about your exits. If you, if you want a portfolio, look at exit points at five years, seven years, 10 years. Don't look to buy the same stuff from the same year, from the same distillery, that's not it. And the biggest thing to do in this market, because it's quite a mature market now, even speaking from, from my own point of view in the fifth year of business, you, you do have to benchmark. And this is really important for a lot of listeners in Singapore because they have been buying whiskey at quite inflated prices and now they have the opportunity to getting much closer to the source at much cheaper prices. Casks that I sell for UK pounds, 2,000 pounds, my competitors are retailing the same item at 12,500 pounds. Why that big differential? How do they explain it? Oh, it's unfortunately the the law of the jungle. It's greed. That's all (laughs) it is. There is no, (laughs) there is no excuse. You know, we start, first of all, we have no minimum. We we love whiskey lovers as as, as well as anyone that wants to speculate. We have no institutional money because alternative investments don't really lend themselves to institutional money Mm. because it is an alternative market, no index, unregulated. But, you know, the one thing that we guarantee all of our clients is a good journey and a, a buyback with regards to an exit at the end of that journey. And we encourage them to go and price market against our competitors. Simon Aaron was founder and managing director of Cask Trade. And hopefully the advice that he gave you will help you out in the new year if you're looking at alternative forms of investment. Thanks for staying with us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.